Hare Krishna everyone, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books. When we reach the 10th canto, 14th chapter, we were actually reading um, the disciples of Srila Prabhupada finishing the Srimad Bhagavatam. But we still call it reading Srila Prabhupada's books because they're Prabhupada's books. And now we're reading Sri Brihad um, Bhagavatamrita, which is also Srila uh, Prabhupada's books in the sense that it's translated and uh, by Gopi Paranadana Prabhu, the most loyal devotee to Prabhupada I ever met in my whole life. Welcome to the haven right here in Hythe, Kent, Southeast England, just near the English Channel. We can see it through the window, the distance. Um, as the world, you know, is embroiled in uh, suffering from the COVID pandemic and also from the political turmoil and economic turmoil and social turmoil that goes with it. We are situated transcendentally, at least while we're reading uh, these transcendental literatures, and therefore we should very count our blessings and build our house of bhakti on this strong sense of gratitude for the mercy that we've been given. Uh, it's difficult enough to be locked down, but imagine being locked down without Krishna. It's inconceivable. So, Srila uh, Sanatana Goswami was instructed by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for a longer period of time than any other devotee on the earth. Two months straight. Uh, and so in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also spoke of Sanatana Goswami as being uh, a very senior and experienced uh, devotee uh, from whom even Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took instructions, advice, would follow his advice. So he wrote this Srimad uh, Bhagavata Mihima Stotram as a part of the Sri Krishna Lila Stava, which was written after he wrote the Briyad Bhagavatamrita. Uh, and it's a glorification of the pastimes of, of Krishna in Vrindavan, ending with the killing of Kangsa. And it's very sweet, and we're going to read it every day from now until we finish. Uh, every day between now and when we finish the Briya Bhagavatamrita, which will be some time. It goes like this. Sarva-shastrabdhipi-yusha Sarva-vedaika-satpala Sarva-siddhanta-ratnaja Sarva-lokaika-drip-prada O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit, of all the Vedas, 
rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana Srimad Bhagavata Prabho Kalidvandotita Aditya Sri Krishna Paribartita O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya Prema Barshak Shadayate Sarvada Sarvasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Tamostume. I bow down to you who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Madekabando Matsangin Madgudoman Mahadana Manistaragamad Bhagya Mad Anandanamostute. My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu sadhuta dayin atini chuchatakada hanamunchagadachin mam premna rit kantayospuda. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So, reading today from Sri Brihat Bhagavatamrita, Part 1. Uh, chapter 1, beginning with text 59. Narada has watched a <clears throat> Brahmana who was the chief of the Brahmanas in, that, in the region uh, worshipping his Shalagram Srila publicly. And many uh, devotees were gathered and he did it so nicely and made sure that everyone was fed, including the animals and insects even, before he and his family would sit down and eat. And Narada Muni was watching incognito from the audience, and he suddenly jumped up and started praising this Brahmana as the best devotee, the one who had received the most mercy of Krishna. And then that Brahmana praised, he said, no, no, not me, the king of this country, uh, he is the greatest devotee. And then he went on to uh, elaborate about the, the, the kingdom of, his, of this king. Uh, so Nardi became very uh, enlivened, and now he's going to go to the country of that king. Text 59. Sri Prikshit said, Narada then went to the country of that best of kings to see him. Wherever Narada went, he found the people absorbed in festive worship of the Lord, 
60. Narda arrived at the capital, vibrating his vena with delight. Seeing each greater splendor, seeing even greater splendor than the Brahmana had described, he approached the king and spoke. Sri Narda said, You are the real recipient of Sri Krishna's mercy. After all, your kingdom is so opulent. It has the best citizens endowed with the most excellent character, religiousness, prosperity, knowledge, and devotion to God. Commentary A sure sign of a ruler's, uh, a sure sign of a ruler's virtue is the good qualities of his subjects. The people of this kingdom were not merely decorated with the veneer of culture. They were actually civilized according to Vedic standards. The good citizens did their prescribed duties responsibly. They contributed to the general welfare by working each as he was able to introduce Krishna conscious practices everywhere. Abandoning pride and other godless tendencies, they gave charity by feeding sannyasis and hungry people, used extra wealth for offerings and worship of the Supreme Lord, and studied the Vedic scriptures from which they learned the value of liberation and devotional service. The people aspired to become pure devotees of the Lord. Thus, they realized all the goals of human life, religiosity, economic development, sense gratification, liberation, and pure Krishna consciousness. 62. Sri Parikshit said, Narada, the best of Vaishnavas, singing along with his Veena, thus expansively described the king, praising his greatness. And Narada embraced him again and again. The king, that ruler of a vast region, then worshipped the topmost sage and humbly replied, his head bowed down in embarrassment by the weight of hearing his own praise. 64 and 65 The king said, <clears throat> O sage among the demigods, I am a human being with a short lifespan, little opulence, and little to give others. I have no independence. I am constantly attacked by fear and ruled by the threefold miseries of material life. I would not even deserve Krishna's word that in the future he might show me his mercy. Why do you wrongly consider me an object of his compassion? Commentary The king thought Narda could have mistaken him to be a favored devotee of Krishna's only by failing to use his natural good discretion. Before becoming a pure devotee, one has to free oneself from illusion. But the king's opinion of himself was that he was still Maya's slave, subject to the tyranny of ritual duties. What to speak of having realized his relationship with Lord Krishna, he felt he did not even deserve that the Lord promise I will show you my favor some day. Or understanding Krishna Nugraha Bhakshasya in another sense, 
he did not deserve to have anyone say, this, pa this person is for favored by Krishna. 66. <clears throat> the demigods are the real objects of the Supreme Lord Vishnu's mercy. They have effulgent bodies and are always worshipable by men. They are, they are sinless, fixed in goodness, free from distress, and always happy. They act and travel however they like. They give their blessings by granting what their devotees desire. Text 68 Their food is the nectar of uh, immortality, <clears throat> which does away with such miseries as death, disease, and old age. Though not forced by hunger or thirst, the demigods enjoy great satisfaction in partaking of this nectar by their own sweet will. O godly Narada, on the strength of their good fortune, they live in the realm of heaven, which humans on earth can only attain, by, can attain only by perfect, pious works. <clears throat> Commentary <clears throat> The saintly king proposes <clears throat> that the demigods are the most favored devotees of Krishna. To demonstrate this, he contrasts them with ordinary human beings. Humans like himself acknowledge the superiority of the demigods and worship them in Vedic sacrifices. <clears throat> the demigods, less encumbered than humans by physical restraints, are free to travel as they like, even flying in the sky without vehicles. Some rich and powerful human beings may be, may be famous for charity, but the demigods have universal powers by which they can fulfill all their worshippers' desires. The soma nectar the demigods drink frees them from death, disease, and old age. And, as implied by the word adi, and so on, also from fatigue, perspiration, bodily odor, and other embarrassments. Since the demigods are never hungry or thirsty, one might question what benefit they derive from drinking their soma. The king answers that they enjoy soma very much. Their pleasure is more subtle than the anamaya, gratification of ordinary eating and drinking. Compared with the mortals of earth, the inhabitants of heaven seem immortal and independent. They must therefore be most dear to Lord Krishna. Text 70 my dear sage, the most distinguished of these demigods is Purandara Indra. He has full power to award and punish, and he gives the world life by providing rain. Commentary Purandara is the name of the current king of heaven. Text 71 He rules the three planetary systems for 71 celestial ages, the length of sovereignty no mundane king can, could earn even by 100 horse sacrifices. 72. Uchchai Shrava is his horse and Airavata his mighty elephant. 
His cow can be milked for any desire. In his garden is the resplendent Nandana. Commentary The king proposes that among all the demigods in heaven, their king, Indra, is the most special recipient of Krishna's mercy. Indra is free to curse or bestow benedictions as he likes, whereas other demigods can only respond to the specific requests of their devotees. The king says, I am just the ruler of a few districts, <clears throat> but the king of heaven gives life to the universe. He rules the three wor worlds for a span of time unimaginable to a small king like me. Theoretically, one can attain the post of Indra by performing 100 faultless ashramedha sacrifices, but even the rare king competent to attempt such performances is almost sure to commit some mistake in the course of them. Indra's horse and elephant are greater than all others because they were born from the churning of the milk ocean. Text 73 In that garden are desired trees like the Parijata, whose flowers yield whatever one may wish. Those trees adorned with desire-yielding creepers assume whatever forms one may like. 74. Even a single flower from those trees can fully satisfy one's desires, whether for wonderful songs and music, splendid dances, bright clothing and ornaments, good food, or anything else. 75. And though, how can I even describe Indra's greatest fortune, the personality of Godhead, Vishnu, has taken the form of Vamanadeva and become his younger brother. Lord Vamanadeva encourages Indra by shielding him from dangers and by accepting in person the elaborate worship Indra offers. But of course, you already know this and much more. Commentary Lord Vamana is not Indra's brother only in theory. He acts as a younger brother should, allowing Indra the pleasure of taking care of him. Indra insists on worshipping him as God, but Vamanadeva reciprocates by gracefully accepting the offerings in person. Thus end the first chapter of Part 1 of Sri Sanatana Goswami's Brihad Bhagavatamrita entitled Boma on the Earth. Jai. Sri Nardavoni Ki Jai. The Brahmana and the King Ki Jai. Pure devotional service to Krishna Ki Jai. Gaur Premanandi. Hari Hari Bo. All right, we're moving along to Chapter 2. Part 1, Chapter 2. Divya in Heaven Text 1 <clears throat> Sri Parikshit said After praising the great king Narada made his way to heaven There in the assembly hall he saw Lord Vishnu in all his brilliance surrounded by hosts of demigods Commentary in the first chapter, 
Narada began his search for the dearest devotee of Krishna by investigating comparative excellence in the devotional service found on earth. <clears throat> in this second chapter, Narada sees the superior devotion of Lord Indra and Lord Brahma. Text 2 He was decorated with sandalwood pulp, divine ornaments and garments, and a garland made of varied flowers from desire trees. Sitting comfortably on the back of Garuda, he was worshipped with celestial offerings. Text 3 Brihaspati and other exalted sages praised his glories, and Mother Aditi pampered him. He in turn delighted each of them with his affectionate comments. Siddhas, Vijadras, Gandharvas, and Apsaras recited prayers. They cried, All glories to you, and sang, danced, and played music, all for his pleasure. Text 5 In words that all could hear, the Lord assured Indra that he need not be afraid of the Daityas. Kirti Devi offered the Lord betel nut, which he gracefully accepted and chewed. Commentary Narada saw the demigods worshipping Lord Vamanadev in the assembly hall of Indra, the Lord's elder brother. Srila Sanatana Goswami comments that the demigods were following one of two standards described in old textbooks on deity worship like Vishnu Bhakti Chandrodaya. The common standard in which 16 items are offered for the Lord's pleasure, beginning with pad padya and ardya waters, or alternatively, a more elaborate worship with 64 items. While the worship was being performed, the Lord's mother, Aditi, held her soft hands and cared for him, held his soft hands and cares, cared for him in various ways. The siddhas recited prayers for his satisfaction. The vijadharas played musical instruments. The gandharvas sang and the apsaras danced. The Lord, the Lord told Indra not to fear the daityas for the Lord would protect him, if necessary, by killing all the demons. As he said this, he raised his right lotus hand in the gesture of fearlessness, Abhaya, Dana Mudra. <laughs> you learn that one, Abhaya. The Abhaya Dana Mudra. Then Kirt Kirti Devi, <clears throat> Lord Vamana's wife, lovingly offered him some betel nut she had carefully prepared. He, he happily took it between his thumb and first finger and elegantly placed it in his mouth. Seeing all this, Narda was very much pleased. Although he had come to the court of heaven to meet Indra, he was first able to see the Supreme Lord worshipped by the assembled demigods. The worship was appropriate <clears throat> because, Lord because Lord Vamana is the most important resident of the heavenly region. In this scene, the Lord not only showed his supremacy, but also revealed his favor toward Indra by accepting his worship. Text 6 
<clears throat> Continuously chanting the Lord's glories, Indra described with great joy the ways the Lord the, the ways the Lord had helped him in the past. Indra shone forth in his own opulence as he sat down on his own throne next to the Lord, shedding from his thousands thousand eyes a downpour of tears. Commentary It was natural for Indra, the, the ruling king of heaven, to have his own throne in his assembly hall. Yet while his servants stood by, holding his royal paraphernalia, paraphernalia his umbrella, chamara fans, and so on, Indra worshipped the Supreme Lord in the person of his younger brother. Indra loudly chanted the Lord's glories, describing the Lord's kindness to his devotees and his other attractive qualities. Indra then recalled the special favors repeatedly shown him by the Lord, such as the Lord's regaining for him the rulership of heaven, which had been seized by Bali Daityaraj. Text 8. Lord Vishnu then proceeded to his own residence. Indra followed him for some distance and then returned to the assembly hall where Narda greeted him and began to speak. Commentary It would have been inappropriate for Narda to disclose his mind to Indra while Indra was worshipping Lord Vishnu. Now that the Lord had left, Narda greeted Indra saying, Glories to you, please, Accept my blessings. Text 9. Sri Narda said, You have surely received the Supreme Lord's mercy because demigods like Surya, Chandra and Yama want to speak of other rulers of planets. All obey your orders. Sages like me are your subjects and the Vedas praise you as the Lord of the universe for you bestow the fruits of religion and hear religion. <clears throat> Commentary The principal demigods, among them the Vasus, Maruts, Rudras, and Adityas, all obey the orders of Indra. In the first of Shrutis, the Rig Veda, <clears throat> many of the hymns are prayers to Indra and descriptions of his glories. These Rik Sutras, the Indra hymns, praise him as the Lord of the universe. Narda agrees that this is fitting and in his own words gives evidence of Indra's sovereignty, his power to send pious souls to heaven and sinners to hell. Text 11 How wonderful! that Lord Narayana has become your younger brother, born of the same womb. Honoring the waves of civilized life, he always treats you with respect. Commentary Indra's greatness is spiritual as well as material because the Lord of all lords becomes his brother. Not only is the Lord born of the same womb, but he accepts the inferior role of a younger brother. <clears throat> In that role, he teaches rules of behavior by his own example. 
showing, for instance, how a younger brother should respect his elder brother, Lord Vamanadev, submissively does what Indra tells him. Text 12 Sri Parikshit said, The sage among the demigods thus profusely declared the extreme good fortune of Indra. As he chanted Indra's glories, he played his veena and danced. Commentary Remembering the southern king's declaration, the demigods are the real recipients of Lord Krishna's mercy, Narada took this opportunity to speak out on the topic. Text 13 Indra then welcomed Narada in a soft voice, humbly said, Indra then welcomed Narada and in a soft voice humbly said, My dear Narada, expert in the arts of the Gandharvas, why are you making fun of me? Commentary The Gandharvas are clever and tricky. A person well trained in their arts certainly knows how to manipulate others with false praise and ridicule. Indra knows that Narada is not an ordinary Gandharva, but Indra is enjoying a humorous exchange. Text 14 Are you unfamiliar with what real ruling heaven means? Don't you know how many times we demigods have had to flee heaven in fear of the Daityas? <clears throat> Commentary Indra may deny praising Indra in vain, or making fun of him. Anticipating Narada's objections, Indra here begins to argue against the praise that he is the dearest devotee of the Lord. Narada certainly knows the troubles the demigods have in holding on to their power. The demigods have many times been driven out by their rivals, forced to flee disguised as sannyasis, to hide themselves on the earth, and so on. Indra thus refutes the statements Narada heard from the king that the demigods, on the strength of their good fortune, live in the realm of heaven and act and travel however they like. Text 15 One of them, Bali, even took over as Indra. He appointed demons to all the posts like sun god and moon god, and took for himself my shares of sacrifice. Commentary <clears throat> Narda has just told Indra, the sun god and other rulers of planets obey your orders. <clears throat> to counter this, Indra questions the value of the demigods' controlling power, which the demigods are always in anxiety of losing. He also questions whether he is actually glorified by having such uncertain rulers as his order carriers. Indra ashamedly remembers how he almost died from hunger and thirst while Bali usurped and enjoyed Indra's shares of sacrifice. <clears throat> thus, Indra thus responds to the southern king's statement, their food is the nectar of immortality. Text 16 Our father and mother then performed many severe austerities by which they satisfied the Supreme Lord Achuta. 
The Lord responded by appearing as my brother in a mere partial expansion of himself. Commentary Indra makes light of the Lord's reciprocation with him since the Lord answered the request of Indra's parents only after some delay and then was unwilling to manifest himself fully in his original form. Text 17 And even then... And even then, instead of killing those enemies, he only embarrassed me, returning my kingdom after taking it from Bali with a deceptive request for charity. Commentary An aristocratic lord like Indra might well feel demeaned by such treatment. Instead of fighting for the demigods' rightful property in an honorable way, Lord Achuta resorted to tricks. He disguised himself as a dwarf, asking Bali for just as much land as three of his steps could cover. And when he ob- obtained the, that charity on, the pretext, on a pretext, made himself larger than the universe. Text 18 We residents of heaven are tainted with faults like rivalry and jealousy. For such acts as killing brahmanas, we get entangled in the reactions of sin, and we live in constant fear of losing our posts. So what happiness do we truly enjoy? Commentary The southern king had said that the demigods are always worshipable by men. He had cited several reasons for this, but here Indra answers. He refutes the statement that the demigods are fixed in goodness by reminding Narada that they are quarrelsome. He defeats the statement they are sinless by recalling how he killed Rita, Vishwarupa and others. And he dismisses that their bodies are effulgent by pointing out that the opposite is true because the demigods constantly anticipate some fall from their positions. As Lord Krishna commented to his friend Uddhava, Ko Varta Sukayatyainam Kamo Vamrityurantike Agatam Niyamanasya Vadyasyeva Satushtidaha. Death is not at all pleasing, and since everyone is exactly like a condemned man being led to the place of execution, what possible happiness? can people derive from material objects or the gratification they provide? Bhagavatam 11, 10, 20 Therefore, according to Indra, the demigods are undeserving of worship because they are hardly better than ordinary men. Text 19 You must also know <clears throat> you must also know that my my brother Lord Upendra intentionally disregarded me <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
You must know that my brother, Lord Upendra, intentionally disregarded me by taking from heaven the Sudharma Hall and the Parijata flower <clears throat> and bringing them to the earth. Commentary Here Indra refutes the claim that among the demigods he has the special favor of the Lord. The supreme person whom Indra knows as his brother Upendra appeared on earth in his original identity, Sri Krishna, <clears throat> to favor the Yadus and his wives in Dwaraka, Krishna removed from heaven the Sudharma assembly hall and the Parijata, the flower that grows only in Indra's realm. These affronts were particularly intolerable because Krishna brought the Sudharma and Parijata to Dwarka on earth, a planet of lesser beings where death is prominent. The imperishable Sudharma and Parijata should not have been subject, subjected to such indignities. Narada had used Indra's possessing the Parijata flower as a reason for praising him, but Indra retorts that he has only been embarrassed because of the flower. Krishna's having stolen these two treasures proves that Krishna is more favorable to the devotees in Dwarka than to Indra, whom he does not hesitate to shame. For a devotee to feel dissatisfied with himself is a natural part of devotional service. Indra expresses natural... Let me repeat that again. This is very important. For a devotee to feel dissatisfied with himself is a natural part of devotional service. Indra ex expresses natural humility here and the other Vaishnavas Narada will meet will speak similarly. Each devotee thinks that Lord Krishna only seemingly favors him but really acts to satisfy devotees who are dearer. <clears throat> when someone praises a devotee for being a recipient of Lord Krishna's mercy, the devotee normally tries to refute that praise. But even if he sometimes doesn't, for that we should not fault him. Devotees speak from the transcendental humility of pure devotion. And the most intimate devotees sometimes speak from the transcendental anger called pranaya rosha. In any case, devotees can never conclusively prove that Krishna does not favor them. However, because the, op because the opposite is true, he is actually pleased with them. Text 20 He ruined the worship the cowherds had been offering me for many years <clears throat> and he burned down my favorite forest, the vast Khandava. Commentary Krishna persuaded the cowherds of Braja, headed by Nanda Maharaj, to worship Govardhan Hill with the offerings collected for Indra's yagya, and to cure Agni of a stomach ache. Krishna destroyed Indra's Khandava forest with the help of Arjuna, Indra's own son. <laughs> Text 21 When the Lord was entreated to kill Vritra, who was devouring the three worlds, the Lord responded indifferently 
merely sending me on his behalf. Commentary Indra's killing of Ritra, described in the hymns of the Rig Veda, occurred when the planets were being formed by Brahma and his assistants. Ritra had interfered with the universal construction by keeping the oceans trapped inside mountains. The sages of the Rig Veda glorify Indra profusely for killing Vritra, thus freeing the waters of the universe. But here, Indra belittles the incident. The sixth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam discloses that Vritra, under his demonic, demonic exterior, was a pure Vaishnava. Indra's killing him was more tragic than glorious. Text 22 With no regard for me, he destroyed my capital, Amaravati, and built a new residence above, above all others for himself. Commentary Indra alludes here to an incarnation of Lord Vishnu named Vaikuntha, whom Srila Sugardev Goswami describes in the 8th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam 8, 5, 4 and 5. Patni Vikunta Sushubrasya Shubrasya Vaikuntai Sudasatamahi Tayo Swakalaya Yagnye Vaikunto Bhagavan Swayam Vaikuntak Kalpito Yena Loko Loka Namaskritaha Ramaya Partayama Ramaya Parkyamanena Devyat Tat Priyakamyaya. From the combination of Shubra and his wife, Vikunta, there appeared the, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vaikunta, along with demigods, who were his personal plenary expansions. Just to please the Goddess of Fortune, the Supreme Personality of Godhead Vaikuntha, at her request, created another Vaikuntha planet which is worshipped by everyone. The eternal spiritual planet Lord Vaikuntha manifested within the material world is called Ramapriya, dear to the Goddess of Fortune. It is located above all other planets, even Lord Brahma's. Strictly speaking, this spiritual kingdom displayed within the material universe is never created or destroyed <clears throat> but because from our point of view the planet Ramapriya appeared at a certain time and place we considered it we considered it new compared with the eternal manifestation of the same kingdom of God outside the material realm the Lord may pretend to create the, the Lord may pretend to create it as his pastime but he is only unveiling before material eyes what normally cannot be seen in this world. Indra also mentions the incarnation Vaikuntha in Sri Haribangsha 270-37. Speaking after Lord Krishna stole the Parijanta flower and defeated him in battle, Indra says, Idam bhangtve madiyam cha babanam Vishnu Nakritam 
uparya pari lokanam adikam bhuvanam nune O sage, Lord Vishnu sacked my capital city and then built a new planet above all others. As described in the eighth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, Lord Vaikuntha appeared during the period of the fifth Manu, Raibhata. This was a long time before our speaker, Purandara, assumed the post of Indra. Srila Sanatana Goswami presents two possible explanations of how Indra could have met Lord Vaikuntha. Either the avatar mentioned in the eighth canto is an earlier one and met Indra in a previous day of Brahma, or during the fifth Manvantara, Lord Vaikuntha only conceived the idea of his new planet, Kalpito Yenukloka, but constructed it later during the seventh Manvantara, now current. Text 23. He accepts our worship on the strength of our parents' devotion and at the insistence of my priest. And then, after taking our offerings, he at once disappears, returning to his own abode. Commentary. Narda might have suggested to Indra that he consider how kind the Lord is, no matter what the Lord does. After all, the Lord's mind, being deeper than a million oceans, cannot be fathomed, and so his pastimes are inconceivable, because the distress of others causes him great anxiety. He always shows compassion in whatever way he can. Indra should try to understand in this higher sense Lord Vamana's, Vamana's apparent neglect of him. That is all right. Indra replies in this verse, The Lord would indeed be showing me His compassion if He were to stay with me permanently, accepting my worship. Then I could tolerate everything else He does. But much of the time, He doesn't even let me see Him. Indra's parents, Kashapa and Aditi, intensely worshipped Lord Vishnu in their previous lives, and they continue to worship Him now. Indra's priest, Brihaspati, is also an enthusiastic worshipper of Vishnu. Indra reasons, therefore, when the Lord appears in order to take my offerings, he does, he does so not from compassion for me, but to reciprocate with the devotion of others. And in any case, he stays only long enough to take his offerings and then goes away. This answers the southern king's statement that Lord Vishnu accepts in person the elaborate worship Indra offers. Mm. Text 25 Then he suddenly comes back. I tell him, we are very much obliged to you for accepting our offerings of Arya. But he cunningly replies, whenever I am not here, to accept your offerings, you may worship Brahma or Shiva instead. Indeed, both of them are not different from me. 26. According to the scriptural statements, the three deities, Rudra, Vishnu and Brahma, are embodiments 
of the same Supreme Being. Have you forgotten? Commentary. From Indra's standpoint, from Indra's standpoint, these words are simply deceitful. Sri Vamanadev knows very well that Indra is attracted to worshipping only the Supreme Lord. Yet he teases Indra by quoting from scripture, trying to persuade him to worship someone else. And Indra, compelled by the reverence he feels for Lord Vamana, is forced to honor his request. Thus we see that sometimes festivals are held in heaven for worshipping Lord Shiva. Text 27 We cannot be certain where he lives. His abode is unapproachable, difficult for even sages to attain. Sometimes he is in Vaikuntha, sometimes on Dhruva's planet, and sometimes within the ocean of milk. Commentary Narda might ask, Then why don't you join your Lord? Indra answers that he is unsure where the Lord is. He might be in Vaikuntha, beyond the material world, or else on the Vaikuntha planet Ramapriya, inside this universe. He might be on Dhruva's planet, known as Vishnupad, or he might be on the island of Shwetadweep, in the ocean of milk. Text 28 And now he is in Dwarka. But even about this, there is no certainty. Sometimes he goes from there to the house of the Pandavas, and sometimes to Mathura. 29. In Mathura, furthermore, he is sometimes in the city and sometimes wandering in Gokula from forest to forest. So it is difficult for us to see him, what to speak of obtaining his mercy. Commentary. Indra should be able to see Krishna, Sri Krishna very easily because when Indra speaks this verse, Krishna is appearing on earth. But the appearance of Sri Krishna is very confidential. Indra has difficulty understand, understanding why the Lord he knows as his brother descended to earth. Sri Harivangsha 269 states that when Narada had come previously as Krishna's messenger to ask Indra for the Parijata flower for Queen Satyabhama, Indra had expressed concern that his brother Krishna seemed to have become degraded by association from the residents of earth. This is far out. I'll read that again. This is far out. Sri Harivangcha 269 states that when Narada had come previously as Krishna's messenger to ask Indra for the Parijata flower for Queen Satyabhama, Indra had expressed concern that his brother Krishna seemed to have become degraded by the association of the residents of earth. <laughs> In particular, Indra thought that Krishna was coming too much under the control of women. The pot, pot calling the kettle black, Indra. Indra is confused by Krishna's constant wandering on earth. The Lord spends a short time in Gokula, sporting in Mahavan, Vrindavan, and other forests. He then lives a few years in Mathura, 
and other forests. He then lives a few years in um, he then lives a few years in Mathura and finally settles down in Dwarka. Still, from there he constantly travels to Mathila, to Hastinapur, to visit the Pandavas and also back to Brajabhumi. Krishna does, does in fact sometimes return from Dwarka to Vrindavan as the residents of Dwarka testify, O Lotus-eyed Lord, whenever you go away to Mathura, Vrindavan or Hastinapur to meet your friends and relatives, every moment of your absence seems like a million years. O infallible one, at that time our eyes become useless, is as if bereft of the sun. Bhagavatam 1.11.9 Text 30 But you should know, O best of Brahma, that your own father is the true recipient of the fav favor of Lord Hari. He is directly the son of Lord Vishnu, the husband of Lakshmi. And we will stop the reading there for tonight and we'll repeat that verse 30 tomorrow in which uh, Indra begins to glorify Lord Brahma as the greater devotee than him. Hare Krishna. Okay. A little late tonight, but it was worth it. More than worth it. Okay, any reflections or comments or discussion? Please. First, it's something from Braj Balaba. Hey, Braj, first up to, up, up to out of the gates again. Haribo. He says, Hare Krishna, please accept my humble obeisances, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. I thought in the material world there is no way to escape the four miseries. However, in text 69, it uh, seems to imply the Somajus allows them to escape these material sufferings. So read it again. I'm sorry. Read it again. He says, I thought that in the material world the there is no way to escape the four miseries. However, in text 69, it seems to imply that the Soma juice allows them to escape these material sufferings. It's only, it's only apparent. This is a poetic uh, description of how wonderful the Soma Rasa juice is compared to the in ordinary beverages of the lower planetary systems and middle plan planetary systems. It doesn't mean literally that they become free. And the proof of it is that they have to leave their bodies. The demigods have to die also. They have lengths of, of lives that um, are so long that from our point of view, they seem eternal. So these are poetic descriptions and, and comparisons of the heavenly planets to the mundane uh, worlds in the lower planetary systems. 
That's all. Hare Krishna. And Indra himself just began, just, just finished uh, enumerating all the, all the difficulties that, that they have to undergo while they live in heaven. So it's just poetic glorification of the Soma. He says, I thought so. Thank you. And also it means that the, that the bodies of the demigods are more subtle than ours. They don't, <clears throat> they don't experience, like we heard, you know, uh, perspiration and bad odor in the bodies. So, their bodies are very subtle and they can do things that we can't imagine, like fly through the air and, and enjoy in so many different ways. Their lifetimes are very long. But still, they have all these other uh, difficulties that Indra has enumerated himself because he knows them as well as anyone. Hare Krishna. Next is something from Bhakta Ben. Hmm. He says, Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. We heard that a devotee's feelings of dissatisfaction with himself are a natural part of devotional service. As part of the purification process, we slowly begin to see our unsavory qualities become revealed. Previously, in illusion, we may have convinced ourselves that we were perfect and that any problems were the faults of others. Waking up from the dream to the cold reality can be a bit of a shock. Naturally, we become dissatisfied with ourselves and furthermore begin to realize that we are the one at fault and have to take responsibility for that. How does one avoid falling prey to the mode of ignorance and lament our faults in a self-centered way? <laughs> the devotees of the Lord, as they advance, they think they're less and less qualified, not because of the reasons that you just said, and therefore they don't come become under the sway of ignorance as you're indicating. That's, that's a wrong conception. The, the, the phenomenon that's being described here is this, that as the devotee becomes more elevated, he thinks himself more fallen because he is becoming closer to Krishna and he's seeing the difference between him and Krishna more clearly. Therefore, it is not the kind of self-esteem issue that you're talking about that the psychologists analyze and try to figure out how to repair. This is a natural quality of devotional service. Devotees humble by nature. Just like Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita in chapter uh, 12 texts oh. Sorry. Chapter 12? Chapter 13. Sorry, chapter 13, verse, uh, text 8 through 12. There, the, what knowledge is, is enumerated in many items. And the first one is Dhambhanva, humility. And at the end of the purport, Prabhupada says, knowledge begins with humility. 
So the humility that is being discussed here is not the humility of ignorance that you're describing happens sometimes to uh, neophyte devotees. This is the humility of knowing uh, one's actual self and the tininess of his existence as compared to the Lord's creation and the Lord himself, the source of creation. Hare Krishna. And the completion or the perfection of that humility is called dainya, which is non different from prema, in which the devotee thinks that everyone is more elevated than himself. Hare Krishna. Next is a question from Avadut Roy Das. Hare Krishna, Avadut Roy. He says, Hare Krishna, please accept my humble obeisances and all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you for the nice reading. Is Indra's speaking about Krishna's bewilderment due to the influence of Mahamaya or Yogamaya? Is Indra's description of? Indra's speaking about Krishna's bewilderment. Well, what did he say about Krishna's bewilderment? No, this is this is. I mean, you, whether it's Yogamaya or Mahamaya, uh, this is in the material world. It it's it's Indra cleverly trying to uh, show Narada uh, that that Krishna can't possibly uh, consider him to be the best devotee. Because he does things to him, with him or to him, that uh, appear to be uh, bewildering. So he doesn't really feel like that. He's just trying to uh, deflect the praise. What he's doing is deflecting the praise. Um, of Narada as to how wonderful a devotee he is and how Krishna feels towards him. It's joking words. It's joking words between Indra and Narada. And it's genuine humility. It's genuine humility. He thinks Lord Brahma is greater than him, and now he's going to enumerate why. Hare Krishna. From Rati Manjari. Yes, Rati. She says, Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Tonight we heard a lot about the lives of the demigods and their challenges and deaths. I have a side question about that. 
I have once heard that the demigods are allowed to live their lives in the heavenly planets as long as their pious results enable them to, and that the moment their pious credits are finished, they disappear there and drop right back down to earth. They don't know when this will happen, and that fact is giving them constant fear. Is this understanding correct, Guru Maharaj? <laughs> You know, you, you can't make generalizations like this. It sounds like all the, all the demigods have this, are, are like this and this is, happens to all the demigods the same. It's not like that. But Krishna does say that by pious activities uh, a person can uh, attain the heavenly planets uh, and then enjoy the results of his pious activities and then when the results of those pious activities are finished then he comes back down to the earth that's a general uh, statement uh, but it the, the actual way it happens isn't exactly the same with every demigod each, each one is an individual soul and responds differently to these circumstances. But the general statement is there in the Gita. I don't think I know where you heard what you heard, but this is the actual statement by Krishna in the Gita. Something from Vamsi Vilasi Das. Yes. He says, Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you for the reading. Naturally, we may feel, and are encouraged to feel, very grateful for the mercy that the Lord shows us through our spiritual masters and so on. The mood of Indra and of the other devotees in Brihad Bhagavatamrita who deny the Lord's mercy on them, can almost seem like complaining about their misfortune. When the Lord has factually shown mercy, how does one feel completely bereft of mercy without being ungrateful? Well, you're comparing the demigods to yourself or to us in, in, on the earth. Uh, they, they, the, the laws are different. The laws of nature are different. Um, just like when Arjuna uh, accompanied Krishna to the heavenly planets and Indra, who is the father of uh, Arjuna, wanted to reciprocate with the son. So he sent, uh, I can't remember the name, one of the society, heavenly society girls, to him for his pleasure and she came in front of Arjuna and Arjuna put his head his, his head down to her feet and would not look at her and then uh, he, she proposed a relationship like she wanted to enjoy with him and he said I can't do that you're my you're my father's consort and you're, that means that you're like my mother and she said no 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 this is heaven. 
the, the same rules don't apply here. We don't have, we don't, it's not sinful when we do this. So you don't have to worry about that. And still, Arjun wouldn't do it. <laughs> and then she cursed Arjun to become a eunuch. <laughs> and later on, he had to become a teacher of dancing girls when he was, uh, you know, hiding from uh, Duryodhana and King Vrat in the King, King, King Vrat's kingdom. He hid incognito as a, as a eunuch. <laughs> so the point I'm making is that the laws are different. So we shouldn't compare how the demigods are speaking and what they mean and all these things and compare it to the way we are, the analysis. They're, they're different. They, they live by different rules. But they still have to, you know, experience the same kinds of miseries, but in a, very, in a much more exalted way. There's certain things that they don't ex experience, you know, old age in the same way, body perspiration, a bad odor in the same way, all these things. You know, they enjoy like long lives and they have beautiful bodies and beautiful opulence and everything. But they still live in fear because they know they're going to die. I don't know if I answered this question completely. But right now I don't have time to go on. It's almost 8.30. And... Uh, we have to we have to get to rest pretty soon. I hope I answered that question at least a little bit. The general the, the, the essence of the answer is that the demigods live by different laws of nature and therefore you can't uh, compare to us and the way we think. Yeah. Next is from Gauranga Gopal Das. Jai Gauranga Gopal. He says, Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj, thank you once more for your beautiful association tonight. It is so nice to hear others being praised. It makes things so light. Mm. We may have had a heavy mind before such reading, but now every little trouble seems gone. <laughs> such potency. Lovely. Keep on hearing. <laughs> There's another question from Avadur Roy. Mm -hmm. He says, Can someone who worships the demigods as Krishna's devotees attain Vaikuntha? It is said worship of devotees is better than worship of the Supreme Lord. <laughs> no. Worship of pure devotees, pure Vaishnavas, is better than the Supreme Lord. Worship of the demigods is not better than the Supreme Lord. Kamaistaista Ritigyana Prabhadyante Naradama Krishna this not not a very good question because it doesn't take into account at all what Krishna said in the Gita. Read it again what he said. Can someone who worships the demigods Can someone who worships the demigods as Krishna's devotees as Krishna's devotees attain Vaikuntha? Attain Vaikuntha? Of course not. You can only attain Vaikuntha by worshiping the pure devotees of Krishna, and the demigods are not pure devotees.
but that doesn't mean that we disrespect the demigods. This may may touch your 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 question. In in the in the uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Rupa Goswami says that one of the items of that must be uh, that must be perfected or perfectly done before you can enter into uh, higher realms of devotional service is not to disrespect the demigods. So a, a pure devotee of Krishna doesn't disrespect the demigods, but he doesn't uh, worship the demigods as gods or separate from Krishna. And if you worship the demigods as devotees of Krishna, or as pure, as it's just not fact. We don't worship demigods, you know, as as devotees of Krishna. We appreciate them. We appreciate them. Bhakti is meant for Krishna. It's not meant for anyone else. Therefore, we're recommended not to bow down to each other in front of the deity. So the answer is, no, we don't go to Vaikuntha by worshipping the demigods as devotees of Krishna. Ravadu Roy also comments. He says, I think it was Prithu who worshipped the devatas. Still he went back to Vaikuntha. He didn't go back to Vaikuntha because he worshipped the demigods. King Prithu is an incarnation of Krishna. He, he gave respect to the demigods. The demigods are it's part of the system of how to, to live in pious life. And Prithu Maharaj is, is giving the example of how to live a pious life. And the kings would, you know, offer worship to the demigods because they provide for the uh, necessities of life. Devan bhaviyatanina, tediva bhaviyantava, parasparam bhaviyanta, shreya paramabhapshita. You know, between the demigods, they cooperate, you know, with the, with the uh, residents of earth, and therefore there's cooperation, and therefore everyone is, uh, lives a nice life here. But that has nothing to do with trying to go back to Vaikuntha. That's material conception. It's how to become comfortable here on the earth. It has nothing to do with pure devotional service or how to get to Vaikuntha. You can look up that verse. It's in the second chapter. Devan bhavyatenim tediva bhavyantava Parasparam Bhavyanta, Shreya Param Bhavshita, or maybe it's in the third game. Anyway, it's in the second or third chapter. Hare Krishna. This Briyat Bhagavatamrita, it brings out so many more comments than the other books we've read. Go ahead. From Gauranga Gopal. He says, I heard in a Prabhupada memory that Srila Prabhupada accepted for devotees to worship Ganesh before going out on Sankirtan. 
if they could send $100,000 per month to his book fund. <laughs> You're taking time and circumstance, joking words between Prabhupada and his disciples to be some kind of rule or law, maybe, I don't know. I know who that was. That was Guru Kripa Yashoda Nandana. And he was teasing them because they wanted to worship, you know, Ganesh because he would remove obstacles and also give wealth. Because Ganesh is supposed to give wealth. So this was a conception that Prabhupada was correcting in them. Hare Krishna. Thank you so much, everyone. Such wonderful reflections and 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 uh, discussion. This Briya Bhagavatamrita by the mercy of Gopi Paranadana Prabhu and Sanatana Goswami, because Sanatana Goswami is famous for looking at everything at all angles of vision. That's his what is his specialty. He looks at every point in many angles of vision, and that's how we become deep. Thank you so much. Sri Brihat Bhagavatamrita ki jai. Samabeda Bhaktavrinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi Hari Hari Bol. See you tomorrow night, same time, same place, same topic. The pure bliss, the Amrita of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Hare Krishna.